Happy Friday, Story Fam, and happy December. Can you believe it? It is officially the most wonderful time of the year. And at the story, we are gearing up for a very special Christmas celebration this year. We're going to be hosting at least seven different Christmas Eve candlelight services from our Traveler's Christmas Eve on the 17th uh, to our outdoor Christmas Eve Eve on the 23rd to our... uh, Five or yeah, five services uh, on Christmas Eve on uh, the twenty fourth. Three of those services will be at our main River Oaks campus, and we'll have two services at our new Timber Grove campus, which I am so excited about. These will be our first ever worship services at our Timber Grove campus on Christmas Eve. You do not want to miss this. Those two services will be at four and six p.m. But listen. Uh, because of social distancing and we can only accommodate like 100 people per service, you have got to RSVP to get your seat. And the RSVPs are open now. Like the process is open. Just go to thestory.church slash Christmas. Thestory.church slash Christmas to be sure and reserve your spot for one of those services if you're ready to worship in person this Christmas. So today as we get ready for this Christmas season, I thought I would offer a few words of reflection about um, an unsung hero in the Christmas story. So this reflection is in honor of Joseph, the stepfather of God. We don't know a lot about him. The Bible calls Joseph a tecton, which literally means builder or stonemason, not carpenter, as you may have heard. Sorry to burst that bubble if if that upsets you. Um, The most likely... uh, the most likely scenario was that Joseph was a, a craftsman or a construction worker um, with stone more than wood. And we know that Joseph was engaged to a girl named Mary. Uh, Matthew and Luke both tell us that they are engaged. Um, Matthew tells the story of Christmas from Joseph's perspective, and Luke tells the story from Mary's point of view. Um, but we're not really told much else about them, especially Joseph. We're not told how, how old they are. I think, though, we can safely assume their age um, because they were of marrying age in first century Judaism. And what we know is that first century uh, Jewish families married their daughters off around 13 or 14 years of age and their sons around 16 or 17 years of age. So that's probably what we're looking at. If Mary and Joseph were an unorthodox age uh, to be married, the story would probably say that. Um, so there's no evidence that, for example, Joseph was this super old guy that you see sometimes in Catholic works of art. Um, there's no evidence to that end whatsoever. It's just kind of legend that he was much, much older than Mary. Uh, he was probably 16 or 17 years old with a 13 or 14-year-old fiancé. That's just the way it worked by, back then. Now, we also know that even the word fiancé is not accurate because uh, the engagement process worked different for Jews in the first century. You know, they didn't do it like we do it today. They didn't take uh, engagement pictures or post an engagement video or change their relationship status on social media. Joseph and Mary didn't go to any cake tastings. Um, They actually, by this point in the story, they had already taken their marriage vows. They were already technically husband and wife. That's why later in the story, when Joseph gets this surprise news he's about to get, uh, it says he considered divorcing Mary quietly um, because they were technically already married, even though they hadn't moved in together yet. They hadn't 
um, shared a bed together yet. What happened was a couple would take the marriage vows and then have a year or so worth of betrothal, which was the time in which a man was preparing to support a wife and a family financially. So he would get a house ready, in other words, and work uh, and save and prepare. So that's what's happening right now in Mary and Joseph's life. They're, they're husband and wife technically, but they haven't lived together yet. And Joseph is getting ready um, to receive Mary in his home and in, in his bed. Now, that's, uh, that's how it worked. And then we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verses um, 18 to 25. I'm not going to read the story. You, you probably are familiar. You can read it on your own if you'd like. What you need to know is that Joseph has gotten wind of Mary's surprise announcement that she is pregnant with a child that is not his. So Mary got the news from the angel, and then Luke tells us she split, like she got out of town instantly. That night, she ran away to go be with Elizabeth. Three months later, she comes back, already showing, presumably, in her second trimester of her pregnancy, and Joseph's like, where have you been? And she's like, I've got some news. Can you imagine how Joseph, 17-year-old, 16 or 17-year-old Joseph, must have felt? He had recently become a man. He was preparing to live on his own and support a family. He'd gotten engaged to a good girl from a good Jewish family, just like every good Jewish boy was supposed to do. He had introduced her to his family back in Bethlehem. They were so proud of him for the man he was becoming. But this news must have changed everything in his mind. His fiancée Mary was pregnant with another man's baby. Now, Joseph had some options here. According to Jewish law, he could have reported... uh, you know, could have reported Mary to the synagogue, to the religious leaders. She could have been publicly shamed and punished, flogged or stoned for what she had done, apparently. Now, if the authorities discovered the identity of the baby's father, he could have been shamed and punished too. At least that's what Joseph's thinking at this point, I imagine. And that would have probably given Joseph the satisfaction of revenge that on some level he must have desired. Um, And he also would have come away with everyone's understanding for making that choice. Everyone can understand what it's like to be a lover scorned. So another another option Joseph had would have been to just save face and take Mary as his wife and secretly in his heart harbor resentment against her for the rest of their lives. He could have held her sin, her supposed sin, over her head anytime she got out of line. He could have reminded her of what she did to him that time and what a favor he had done for her. He could have held this over her and her son for the rest of their lives. After all, that's not his kid. We often overlook the fact that Joseph didn't have to do what he did. I'm aware that Joseph only got, you know, on the same page as God. He only got with the program after God visited him in a dream. But listen, God didn't force Joseph to say yes to this. God speaks to us all the time, I think, and we always say thanks but no thanks to what God tells us to do on a daily basis, many of us. God gives us that power to say no. 
And so, yes, God spoke to Joseph in a dream, but Joseph still could have said, no, thank you. Joseph could have lived by his own choice, a completely different, completely normal life with a normal wife and normal kids who all look like him. <laughs> he could have avoided all that stress, all the sacrifice of raising the most important child in the history of the universe. Instead, Joseph chose to become a teenage husband to his pregnant wife and a devoted stepfather to someone else's son. Even though he didn't have to, Joseph claimed the baby as his own. We know this because Matthew makes it clear, uh, as does Luke, that Joseph was the one who named the child. Now, uh, in that culture, to name the child was to claim the child. So when Joseph stood in the temple and held his newborn and said, his name will be Jesus, it was basically an adoption ceremony in Joseph's heart. And this really got me thinking about adoptive parents and step-parents who choose to love children who are not biologically theirs. When I think about Joseph, I'm in awe of good stepfathers and stepmothers those who foster and adopt because they choose to love the children that they could, in theory, send back or ignore or turn away. Joseph didn't just tolerate Jesus as an unwanted obligation either. He became a father to Jesus. Where do you think Jesus learned how to be a man? Who taught Jesus how to work with his hands? Who sat Jesus down and had the talk with him when his voice started to change? Where do you think Jesus learned things like the value of daily work for daily bread and putting other people's needs before your own? I think it was Joseph. We don't know exactly when or how Joseph died. Most likely it was during Jesus's ministry, which means Joseph would have died in his late 40s. He was gone by the time Jesus was crucified and Mary was there at the cross alone watching her baby die. Just before Jesus breathed his last, he asked his best friend to take care of his mama. Why do you think he did that? I think it's because, at least in part, that's, kind, that, that, that's the kind of man that Joseph raised Jesus to be. My favorite detail about Joseph's life is something that's easy to miss. Joseph is one of the greatest heroes in all the Bible. He's been sainted by all the churches throughout the years. But can you guess how many words Joseph said in the scriptures? Zero. Joseph is a main character with no lines. He lived a quiet, selfless life. What made Joseph heroic was that he never cared to be a hero. What made him great was that he was good. Joseph had many chances to choose himself over everyone else. But time and time again, he stepped up without saying a word, without need of the spotlight. The world we live in is constantly tempting us to believe that we are the most important people in it, that my hopes and my dreams are all that really matter to me. Every day, you're encouraged to think about your own interests and your own safety before considering anyone else's. Most of us want to do great things with our lives, but we avoid doing good things because they're hard or they're boring, or they're mundane. If you want to know what Christmas is all about, it is at least in part about a man who chose to call someone else's son his own, to love him and raise him as though they shared flesh and blood. We Christians are always striving to be more like Jesus, 
This Christmas, I want to be more like Joseph. That's it for today, everybody. I, I love you all. I hope you have a great weekend, and I hope to see you this Sunday in person or online at The Story at, our, at all three of our services, 8.30, 9.45, and 11.05. Bye, everybody.